Welcome, listener, to Mind Milk Theory, a podcast about niche interest nerdery with me, sometimes contemporary artist Jim Lockie. So each episode is a short discussion about something I've been thinking about recently, normally pulled straight out of the notes app on my phone. And uh, yeah, let's get straight into it. This episode, The Pact, a story about hells. In times like these, hell gets evoked a lot. You see folks describing their lockdown experience as hellish or from hell, unknowingly quoting the comedian Richard Lewis, who is the originator of that phrase. I think it's remarkable that the phrase, the blank from hell, you know, the the neighbour from hell, the date from hell, etc., was coined relatively recently, and yet has become part of the fabric of everyday language, so much so that we assume the phrase has always existed. Hell is a potent image within our culture, informed by a long history of religious and popular imagining. Richard Lewis's now commonplace phrase imagines hell as full of devices cunningly designed to maximise human suffering, something he brings forward from the medieval conception. Our hell myth is a palimpsest of ideas from a whole bunch of sources, with Hebrew and Christian Bibles being only small ingredients in the soup of imagery we think of as the place bad people go to. The hell of pitchfork-poking devils owes as much, if not more, to classical sources than it does Judeo-Christian scripture. On top of this, the hell I imagine is likely different to the one you imagine. And when we trace the ideas we have in our heads back to their sources, we're likely to find all kinds of strange things, from Renaissance paintings to old Simpsons episodes. Here's a fun question. Where is hell? What shape is it? What lays at its centre? Maybe hell is hunkered in the centre of the earth, and if we cracked the earth open, there it would be within the molten core, an underworld in the shadow of the land above. Maybe you imagine hell as downriver from the realm of life, access guarded by a ferryman. Or maybe hell is lost within some dark forest, descending in levels before emptying into a final circle, a frozen expanse that keeps Satan locked up in cold darkness. That's of course the image Dante gives us. Whatever sources we draw from, it's likely we assume down to be involved. Hell isn't up there, it's down below, below the ground where we bury our dead. The journey to hell is always a descent, like the psalmist who sinks to the bottom of the ocean into the depths of Sheol. That word Sheol that we find in the Hebrew Bible, sometimes thought to mean the same thing as hell, is more like a waiting room for final judgment and eventual restoration. They're not really related at all. Perhaps then hell is the place the rebel angels were cast down to, an infernal inversion of their celestial home. Just as heaven is above, hell is below, and we live somewhere in between these extreme worlds of perfect light and perfect darkness. We certainly see that within religious art. A common theme of triptychs is heaven, earth and hell. 
Heaven and hell are extremes, and earth ends up seeming like the temperate middle ground. Yet once again, the scripture that forms the basis of Western tradition is quite different. According to the Bible, if heaven has a partner place at all, as it were, it's not hell, it's here. You see it on page one, paragraph one, sentence one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there's just two places, up there and down here. There is no third place, nothing further down. In that framework, wouldn't it mean that when the rebel angels were cast from heaven, they actually ended up here? In the book of Job, which is one of the most popular and most abused books of the Bible, there is this amazing and subtly creepy line. So at the beginning of the book, there's this scene where God convenes his angels and Satan shows up as part of that group. God asks him, where have you been? To which Satan replies, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. There's something so creepy about the vagueness of that line, don't you think? Satan gets everywhere. So we could suggest that, according to the Job account, Satan doesn't live in hell, as many people imagine, or maybe he does, and maybe hell is somehow here too, on top of the natural plane, amongst it. Hell in this conception is a dark shadow of the kingdom of heaven, which, if you're not familiar, was Jesus' big philosophical idea. It was this new creation of goodness entering into the mundane world, and which, according to scripture, is both amongst us and not yet fulfilled. And that's an interesting idea to me. As my starting point for thinking about how we conceive of hell within Western culture was Christopher Marlowe's Dr. Faustus. In that play, Marlowe has his protagonist, our Satan's agent, Mephistopheles, the location of hell. Mephistopheles replies, Why this is hell, nor am I out of it. Thinkest thou that I who saw the face of God and tasted the eternal joys of heaven am not tormented with ten thousand hells? Marlowe picks up and runs with this idea of hell being more of a psychic domain than a physical one. Hell and heaven are both here, and which we perceive is down to the choices we make. Therein lies the story for Marlowe. Before him... Other plays using similar set pieces were morality tales, stories in which the protagonist would eventually best evil through their righteous action and impart a moral lesson to the viewer. Yet Marlowe has Faustus fail. His end is being dragged into a hell mouth by imps, leaving the audience to question if redemption was ever possible for him, and if a moment had come in which it was finally too late to repent. When was that moment? That is dynamite stuff in uh, Marlowe's historical moment. The beliefs around him came from Catholicism, in which people avoided hell through moral works. There was the new Protestantism, in which entrance to heaven was dependent on faith. And then there was the fringe teaching of Calvinism, where people had no agency at all and had to be pre-chosen by God for heaven. Marlowe is intentionally vague in Faustus about which, if any of these, apply. Maybe hell is the only reality there is. Faustus searched for hidden knowledge, 
and maybe his discovery is the cold truth that meaning is absent. We don't know much about Marlowe's life. He was certainly theologically and politically progressive in his time and very sceptical of organised religion. Accused of atheism and arrested for it, he was eventually murdered in shady circumstances that were likely related to the claims of heresy against him. Shaky claims, I hasten to add. Either that, or he was killed due to the likely fact that he was a secret agent for the Queen, employed to infiltrate and root out Catholic plots against the English crown. Honestly, it's mental. Give it a Google and have a fun afternoon. What his plays reveal is a more nuanced thinker than just a simple heretic. He asked probing questions of religion and human ethics that were dangerous to ask at the time but that would be taken up by others later. Today the landscape is different and the same stakes are not in play, nor is hell the same as it was. However, the status quo still needs to be challenged and the shifting sands of our world need to be recorded. In Marlowe's time, hell wasn't only an idea or a myth or an illusion to be made, but it was believed to be a real place. The famous Luther, for instance, believed he was dogged by the literal devil, once throwing an inkwell across a room at an apparition of Satan. And it was in that world that Marlowe gave us Faustus, a play which took a tale from folklore and had been born out of the conception of hell in medieval tradition and he played with it he challenged it he went back to the source scriptures to place devastating words in the mouth of mephistopheles and he used faustus to pose provocative foundation shaking ideas faustus says he believes hell to be a myth though he fails to convince himself of that remark faustus brought the audience right to the ringside to wrestle with the world as they knew it Faustus was written in a world gripped by the Reformation. Much was changing and uncertain. Power structures were being shaken. In so many ways, it looks and feels like an old morality play, but Faustus never finds the right path. Faustus is a kind of anti-hero of sorts, and Marlowe managed to take the familiar tropes and use them to reflect something that feels relevant in an uncertain world. And we live in an uncertain world. At the start of the play, Faustus rejects all other spheres of learned pursuit in favour of necromancy. He says of divinity that it's too hard. Now, I'm going to pronounce the Latin poorly, so forgive me, but here's a quote. The reward of sin is death. That's hard. Si picasse negamus filima et nulle est nobis veritas. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and there's no truth in us. Why then be like we must sin and so consequently die? I we must die an everlasting death. What doctrine call you this? Que sera, sera, what will be, shall be, divinity, adieu. These metaphysics of magicians and necromantic books are... Heavenly. I've been looking at Dr. Faustus and thinking about our modern ideas around hell because I've been thinking about trying to make an artwork that features some kind of Faustian pact. What would we be willing to face hell for? 
Then I think of our present hellish political moment. I think of the shirt on my back. Anytime we in the West accept for the sake of convenience to participate in supporting industries that turn a blind eye to slavery and the unethical treatment of people, anytime we avoid engaging with the suffering of our neighbours, we are signing the pact. We are complicit in creating a hell as long as we remain carefree and unburdened. We are complicit in creating a hell on earth as long as we personally get to remain carefree and unburdened. I try to be socially responsible, but I know there's many times I've been willfully ignorant for the sake of my own convenience. I relate to Dr Faustus, choosing to believe that hell is a myth while simultaneously speaking to a demon standing there in his study. It feels especially potent right now as I think about my privilege as a white man living in a country where food isn't scarce and my life isn't threatened. Listener, I hope that like me you've been given pause by that image of heaven and hell as psychic kingdoms layered on the natural reality and that it will empower you toward the decisions that contribute toward building a heaven. It's not too late for us. I don't know yet if there is a future artwork for me to make in researching Dr Faustus, but I know I'll be back next time with more strange and rambly thoughts, so please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed it and leave a review. Next time, I think I'm going to be talking about iconoclasm, unless, of course, I change my mind. (laughs) Love you. Stay safe. Stay curious. Stay compassionate. Um, Yeah. Bye.